Okay, hey, this is Frank Alexander with the Dallas Renegades, and this is the XFL Show. Walker picks it up, now trying to turn something out of nothing and into the end zone for the most unlikely of touchdowns. Off the fumbled snap, P.J. Walker picks it up and runs into the end zone for another roughnecks touchdown. Jones, caught Parham, the big tight end rumbles down the sideline, six foot eight and speed. His second touchdown of the half. 65 on that one. Woo! How about the long strider? And they're going to turn it around. With room on the near side. And for the first time, they get creative. And the battle hawks have the sideline. And a kickoff return for Joe Powell to the end zone. And now they say he stepped out. No, touchdown, St. Louis. Carter with blocks. Carter flipped into the end zone. Hey, he told Jenny Tapp if he could get there one more time, he'd do a flip. This time, he delivered. For the love of football. Welcome, football fans. This is February 25th, 2020. This is For the Love of Football, and this is the XFL Show. I'm Alan. And I'm Bryant. Week three was filled with surprises, twists, turns, backflips, and yes, cacaws! Time to get into all of it. This is episode 116. Cacaw is the law, Bryant. We're back from St. Louis and we're here to talk about what was a buck nutty week three of the XFL. Uh, buck nutty for so many reasons. Our trip down to St. Louis was amazing. Uh, thanks for all the fans out there that that made us feel welcome and a part of that town. It was a lot of fun. Kaka to all of you. My voice is a little more raspy too, by the way. It's it's not good on the voice <laughs> I like, I like uh, how politely <laughs> you did that. Kaka to all of you. Kaka. We're trying to get other people to cook call on this show too later today. We'll see if that actually happens. But yes, yes. Alan, a wild week three, uh, and only one of us went four and zero. We'll talk about who that was a little bit later. Yes, we will, and we will talk to that guest you mentioned in a little bit later. The coach, Jonathan Coachman, will join us once again to discuss everything that went down in week three in the XFL. Also, maybe take a peek ahead to week four. What's going on now with each team? Now that we're three weeks into it, and I mean, uh, parity is something that a lot of people are talking about after this week, Bryant, because the the teams at the top, you know, some teams got a little bit closer to them this past week because one of them fell. The other one's still on top. Houston still looks like the class of the XFL. Uh, They're on a steady pace. D.C. trips, they fall flat on their face in L.A., and all of a sudden uh, there there's a lot more hope across the XFL when it comes to teams or fans believing in their teams, especially where we were, St. Louis. They looked great. 
Yeah, it, it, parody was a key component that came out of week three where you saw teams that maybe had a rough week one or even a rough week two kind of make strides uh, towards getting towards the top. Uh, yeah, D.C. kind of fell flat on their face. But at the same time, you know, that's only week three. Week four, Houston, probably one of their toughest matchups. They're going to have to go on the road. Uh, so that's going to be a great test for week four. Uh, St. Louis is looking great. Uh, L.A. looked really good. I think there's a lot of things happening in the XFL right now that parody seems to be at the top of the list. Yep, and we're going to talk about that when we break down each and every single one of these games. We also today will be giving away our Week 3 awards. We will get into our our power rankings and some of the reaction that you've given uh, to it because we did post them on Twitter. We are at XFL Show on Twitter. If you want to check those power rankings out, want to comment on them, you could do it right there. Or... If you want to call into us directly, we love hearing from you on the XFL fan line, 724-565-4XFL. So call in. It's 24-7, 365, that line for you to call in, and we'll air it on, on the show. Just leave your name, where you're from, and let us hear from you, and let us know who you got. That that number two through four spot, especially in the power rankings this week, Brian, going to be interesting to discuss. And this week, I think really – it, I, it was the culmination of what we were told by Oliver Luck going into the season. The parody teams really having a chance all season long. I think that became a reality this week, especially in cities like Dallas, in L.A., and then, of course, in St. Louis, where now all of a sudden they find themselves atop the Eastern Division. It is a very, very interesting when you talk about week three and what it means for the rest of the season going forward and what it means for all these teams and their fan bases now that are growing, having hope for those XFL playoffs and, of course, the championship game in Houston. I cannot wait. We're also uh, going to talk about, well, some of what you're saying on social media, which we should get into here now, Bryant, because I want to clarify something real quick that a fan asked me on social before week three kicked off. I don't know if you saw what this this guy oh, asked I me. Joe. Joe Tom's River uh, on Twitter. It's very, it's a legitimate concern. You were like, okay, oh, this let, me, let me read it out. Let me read it out before you get all hot headed because people wonder what the question is. I don't is get hot. Today. This is a legitimate concern of Joe Tom's River, and I'm here to legitimately right. answer and explain myself. Okay, on Twitter, Joe Tom's River uh, tweeted out, replied to us in this episode. This was last episode 115. Uh, Allen said that Houston will have the largest margin of victory this weekend, but. Houston is not the team that he is most confident will win this weekend. Help me make sense of that as it sounds. You've got to be kidding me. So, Alan, the floor is yours. Okay. Making sense out of that as it sounds, and he said illogical or whatever. All right, Joe, this is why. I was confident that the, the Battle Hawks would win the game. That's different. That's a confidence pick. Score is different. And the Houston score, I thought would be the biggest margin. And I will admit it admit it right now, I was wrong on that. Tampa Bay showed up, played them tough. It was a seven-point game. And the Battle Hawks ended up winning by 20. And then we all were we all were wrong, Bryant. You picked LA, but I don't think you picked them to win by 30. But to explain myself, Joe, Tom's River on Twitter. We appreciate you hitting us up at XFL Show. Reason is confidence to me. A confidence pick different from a points pick. I, I, does that make sense to you, Bryant? They're two different things no. as far as I'm concerned. 
absolutely not. It doesn't make any sense to me. I don't know why that doesn't. There's the, I'm I, just I, trying to egg you on. It's fine. No, it makes sense. So your confidence level. <laughs> no, I mean, it makes sense to me. Your confidence level for one game is one thing. Your point spread on another game is completely. Those are two different uh, ways to approach it. Uh, uh, a result of a football game, and that's what you did, and that's fine. Because you, your confidence level on it, you can say that the I think the Battlehawks are going to win this game by a field goal. I'm so sure of it. There's no doubt in my mind. Uh, and you can also say that Houston's going to be. And you know what? Uh, by twenty. I'm confident in saying this too. I was right in both games on who would win both games, which wasn't really hard to pick at all. Those are the two easiest games to pick if you're just picking winners in Houston and St. Louis, and they proved as such this weekend with convincing victories. Even though Houston was it, it was close for a while. But they pulled it out at the end. Um, there was never really a doubt in my mind when we'll get into that game that Tampa Bay would punch through at the end there, Brian, because, well, their bugaboo we've seen caught back up with them at the end of, of that attempted comeback. Uh, let, let's real quick dive into some of the real quick news and notes from the, the weekend uh, with, you know, in, when it comes to injuries, transactions, uh, the, the injuries. Uh, in in these games, Bryant, though the major one I noticed was unfortunate for the LA Wildcats. We got to see what Trey McBride's at. He shows up in this big game against the team that traded him, the DC Defenders, scoring all over the place. But he unfortunately took a shot to the head at the end there. Yeah, you know he had a great first half, two touchdown receptions, looking really good. Uh, made the made the Wildcats look even better than they had. Um, so far this season, but then went out with an injury. Looked like maybe shoulder, head, took a shot, uh, didn't return. Still no word back on exactly what uh, the time length or the severity of the injury is. That was a little scary for sure uh, to see that happen in that Wildcats game, especially after performing so well that he did uh, to start that game. And then you have Matt McGloin, who we heard during the game was apparently ish- had a ribs issue, and we don't know what – whether or not that'll be a factor, well, that will be a factor for sure, but what about his actual play on the field? If that's a factor in determining who starts for the New York Guardians against the LA Wildcats in week four, something we definitely have to discuss uh, coming from the injuries uh, here that we noticed over the course of the weekend, Bryant. And I believe, other than that, do you remember any other key moments where we said, oh, we got to keep an eye on that guy looked banged up? In terms of injuries, no. I, I think there was some key moments where there were some players who became stars again for other reasons, not because of injuries, uh, but because of their acts on the field. But we'll leave that for some other time. Are you talking uh, about again, Ian Silberman, yeah. the center for the yeah. Guardians? The, the refs yeah. go into the coach and coach, your guy out there is acting very unprofessional. You better get a hold of him. And it's just going out there like a madman. We were we were at the game. We were watching it. And I will say that our first reaction was to say, what's wrong with this man? He He's getting too many... Uh, penalties he's getting worked up and to to his own fault i think he showed his his emotions on his sleeve so much that st louis knew it and they were egging him on they were doing things to set him off and i think to his defense some of those like somebody grabbed his face mask and then they got the retaliation as always in football right they always get the guy who retaliates uh and, and then there was another one i think they were too close to the to the huddle and he got upset so he kind of pushed them away and that caused a, a penalty as well so if he took a step back and calmed down a little bit, some of those fouls would have been uh, not necessary uh, because I don't think St. Louis would have egged them on as, as they did uh, towards the end of that game. Wait, are you, are you pro or or anti what Will Hill did dragging a guy by the leg? I see that. Like he was, like he was an oversized (laughs) bag of trash. (laughs) That was, (laughs) 
that's, would, that's kind of what set I off Ian Silverman. Anti- I would suggest I would suggest to do neither. Never drag a man by his feet or a bag of trash by on the floor like that because it's just going to rip up. Uh, both oh, of those yeah. could end very horribly for you. So yeah, you catch. Uh, you're right. Yeah, not cool. Yeah, you catch a, a a stick or something on the ground, and then you all of a sudden you got trash all over the street, and then you're just going to pick it all up one by one, throw it in yep. another bag. It's never a good thing. Uh, transaction wise, actually, on the Monday after Week Three, quite a few to run through. Uh, really good news for the Tampa Bay Vipers. They're going to be getting Obum Guachem back, the defensive end, who uh, in the NFL played for the Saints, is a very capable pass rusher and guy there on the defensive line. And he 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 could really help Tampa Bay, who I think has struggled getting after the quarterback. Uh, and uh, Again, uh, for the Dallas Renegades, too, Brian Eric Dungy is now on the reserve left squad list, and Team 9 call up Brogan Roback back with the Dallas Renegades uh, so that tra- that same transaction, you're just not deja vu, has happened once again. And then also Tampa Bay <laughs> and Tampa Bay and St. Louis also uh, had a trade. Cornerback Trey Caldwell will go to Tampa Bay from St. Louis, and linebacker Anthony Stubbs will go to St. Louis from Tampa Bay. And uh, those are your your transactions. You could go check those out on XFL.com throughout the week. If any other transactions happen throughout the week, of course, we'll talk about them here on the show, but uh, love all the updates and how uh, thorough the website uh, XFL.com is in informing fans on every single detail you want to know about when it comes to the stats, injuries, transactions. Uh, it's, it's the place to go. And it's also the place to go to get your merch, Bryant, because now we're, we've been, we have been asked many times. I don't know about you. I, there's still people don't realize they could just go to XFL.com and, and get themselves some gear. And I actually told a family member that the other day to go to XFLshop.com. He's like, man, I want a Wildcat shirt like the one you have on. I said, XFLshop.com. Go. He ended up buying like way more Wildcat stuff than I think anybody on the planet earth owns then in one household but that's where he went xflshop.com is the online store for authentic xfl gear dressed like the pros with exclusive sideline apparel including game jerseys plus tees tops and headwear from your favorite team and you can get it all at xflshop.com do you see those hats with like they had the line on the bottom right above the brim there this weekend brent they kind of rolled those out on the sidelines might have to get one of those. If you want to look like Rob Lowe did during the Super Bowl, I mean, get, get yourself some cool XFL uh, merch as well. A lot of stuff there. Go ahead and check that out. I'm pretty uh, sure XFL Jim Shop. Zorn, yeah, XFLshop.com. I'm pretty sure Jim Zorn was wearing just like an XFL. Yes, he was. Generic XFL hoodie or, no. or zip up or something. Yeah. It wasn't even a Dragons. It wasn't even a I almost was like, Jim Zorn, not the coach of the Dragons. He's not even wearing any Dragons gear. I'm sure someone's going to notice that this week. I don't know. It looked like a comfortable zip up, though. Uh, let's uh, let's get back to some more of what they're saying on social media as we dink and dunk around week three here, Bryant. Uh, I saw Delmar Domino at Hawaii Warrior eighty seven on Twitter had a couple of good uh, think questions and comments here. I'd like to to shine a light on. Anytime someone's working hard on Twitter to prompt us with interesting things to talk about, want to show them love. And he said at XFL show should XFL scouts be keeping an eye on the NFL combine hashtag XFL hashtag for the love of football. Yes. Hawaii warrior. Absolutely. Yes, of course. 
Absolutely. <laughs> should be the NFL Combine, all the college all-star games, anywhere people are playing football competitively, the XFL scouts should be, and they are, I promise you, keeping an eye on it. Well, Alan, we I mentioned to you just in you know in, you know casual conversation this weekend when we were in St. Louis. I said, you know, people don't realize how good these players are going to be getting year after year in the XFL, right? You, you talk about players whose rookie contracts end and teams decide to replace them with a rookie who's a cheaper you know alternative rather than renewing them or signing them to a longer term deal. Those players are now going to become available to the XFL. So the player pool for the XFL is only getting bigger as the time goes and the combine is just another great place for the XFL to find great players. I mean, look at Jordan Tamu, Jordan Tamu never took a snap in the NFL and here he is in the XFL. Uh, So rookies coming out of college are totally something the XFL uh, are are looking at and will bring into the, uh, to the league next season. And our, our buddy, the Hawaii warrior 87 also added on to that, Brian. I thought this one was something that we, we're talking about in St. Louis this weekend shines a light on this too. He said, if the dragons and battle Hawks can fill up their stadiums by season end, those places are going to be tough to play at. We were sitting there at the battle dome in St. Louis, just going, I don't, I can't imagine how, how hard this is for the guardians to get their stuff together on offense. I mean, they were having issues before, but going into that atmosphere, it was, we were on the field, Brian, before the game, before the place was even filled up. And it was, Deafening. Um, let's get something straight. Those places are already hard to play in with 30,000 fans. If those things fill up even more, I would not want to be the opposing team. I might just call it a, a game and not even show up if I had to play in those stadiums filled up to the brim. Uh, there there was a, a level of excitement, of energy that you could feel before you got into the stadium. Alan, when those doors opened and there was about, what, 10% of that crowd in there, it got loud already. Uh, yeah, you're right. Once the season go continues and continues, uh, those stadiums are just going to get louder, uh, filled with more people, uh, harder to play play in uh, for the visiting teams. I I think they definitely will be, but I also think that these uh, these stadiums uh, right now are are showing the fans in other stadiums that if they plan on rooting for their team, teams of fans of the Guardians, fans of the Vipers, fans of the Defenders, L.A. You got to bring it. That's if there's com- competition among fans. So let's see if anybody responds. If they want to, you know, start their own their own chants, their own traditions. I mean, if you watch that on TV, which we watched it back, Bryant, and you're in another town with another XFL team, and you saw how much fun the Battlehawks fans are having. I don't know. I'd want to be a. I want to be a part of something like that. So we'll see. We'll see what other uh, kind of chants. Because that Battlehawks, Battlehawks chant the Kaka. I mean, it's so much fun, and you know all the other seven teams are going to have other stuff going on like that eventually. St. Louis is kind of first to it. But St. Louis, I will say, I saw some people going through flaming tables in the parking lot. You don't need to be doing any of that. Please. Yeah, yeah. Make it to the game. (laughs) Make it to the game. Uh, The the, the tailgating was something that we talked about, Alan, uh, many times this over the weekend, especially on our recaps, uh, which you can check those out, by the way, on the feed here. Uh, we do many recaps of every single game after that. Uh, but, yeah, fans, if if you want to be a fan of a football team, I guess watch the Battlehawks game because that's the energy you should be bringing uh, to these games. Uh, you know, the Vipers had a great turnout. I think surprised a lot of people from what we've heard, Alan, uh, something that no one expected to happen in Tampa 
uh, ended up being a great crowd there. I just hope at some point that every single person in that stadium hisses all together. Oh my goodness! I if everyone just goes. All together, the do- you got to do the dodgeball thing. I think that's something that must be done in Tampa Bay, honestly. So, I it, and I think it could even be potentially better than the caca. I mean, the come on, Tampa, where are you at? They they sounded good on TV though. All right, well, like a we will we will hiss you. I don't know about that. That's too much too much room for for interpretation and parody there. All right. <laughs> Thanks to everybody for hitting us up on Twitter at XFL show. And of course on uh, the th- late Thursday night show, if you call in seven, two, four, five, six, five, four XFL on the XFL fan line, and you want to be on the show, leave your name, where you're from and give us your comment question. Uh, you might make it on the late Thursday night show as well. Let's get into this week's cover too. Play fast. Do it again. Here we go. First up, let's give away some awards, Bryant for week number three. Uh, we're going oh, to give me, I'm going to give you the uh, almost as good as me at eating toasted Ravs award. That's your oh, award. Yeah, I don't think I'm not even going to try to compete with you on toasted Ravs. Oh, man, I was eating those like <laughs> potato chips. You you gave me the option for the last one. This is kind of some sidebar conversations here. You gave me the option for the last one in the hotel room. I was not going to deprive you of that, man. That would have like crushed your weekend if I took that last one from you. Favorite part of St. Louis this weekend was the tailgate food. The and the of course the football and the fans, but the food was just mm, mwah, spectacular. Toasted raviolis, spam sandwiches with peanut butter. Sounds weird, right? But trust me, delicious. Um, yeah, that's your award, Brian. You're you actually you're a good eater this weekend. You ate very healthy. I'm proud of you. <laughs> I don't know. I, I almost said that with a straight face. All right, let's. You, you almost looked like Moss, but nice try. Moss yeah. held it a little longer. Oh no way! I could do that. The stoic Winston Moss. Um, let's talk about the star of the week nominees real quick, Bryant. Uh, you know, there's a few names that XF at XFL 2020 have up as options uh, from the weekend. The standouts to me would be probably. Uh, well, Trey McBride, Cam Phillips, uh, Josh Johnson, Martez Carter, the Wildcats, I would put three potential nominees there. And I'll throw your guy in, Donald Parham, as, as guys. I'm all I'm considering them all. I'm probably leaning Cam Phillips, though. I don't know about you. Yeah, there was there was some I don't know. I mean, you had Montez Carter as well, three full touchdowns. That that was a that was a great performance, a coming out performance. I think you have to give him some bonus points. Basically not basically non-existent as the season started. A uh, big coming out party for him. Josh Johnson looked great. Um, he looked poised. He looked like the reason why fifteen hundred teams in the XFL and the NFL have signed him previously. You know, right? Cam Phillips though, almost two was it two hundred or almost two hundred yards? Yeah, he was just under two hundred yards. 200 yards basically with three touchdowns. Uh, you know, we questioned the the yardage last week for the Roughnecks, but right now Cam Phillips is looking great. I mean, without, I mean, you almost have to do like Cam Phillips, PJ Walker combo at this point, too, with those two men, because without one, the other one doesn't succeed. It seems like that's true. I, I mean, um, what if, what if at the end of the year, it's like it's been going on like this all year? It's 194 yards, by the way, for Cam Phillips. At the end of the year, I mean, what would you do? Would you go PJ Walker or Cam Phillips? It comes, it might come down to them too at this point. If it's, if was the it season in, ended, they'd be one and two in the MVP voting, probably. Was it 2009 when Tom Brady had like 50 touchdown passes, but Randy Moss had like 22 receptions? 
of TDs. I think that was like, who do you give it to at that point? They ended up giving it to Tom Brady, of course. But uh, right now, Cam Phillips looks like the star, which is kind of weird because you never see it that way. You always see it as the quarterback being the star uh, and not the, the receiver. So a nice little change in, in direction there that the XFL is going in. Well, he had that one touchdown where he just like wouldn't be denied getting into the end zone, breaking tackles, and then walking in. I mean, another impressive performance. But there was some stand- – all those guys stood out this weekend and really, you know, put themselves in a great light, which is what this league's all about, putting yourself out there, showing up, balling, doing what you do, and also getting the entire football world to know your name. And everyone's learning all these guys' names because they're playing great. And uh, they're making magical moments. And that's going to bring us to my award, Bryant, the weekly award I'm going to give away. This was XFL football, and I have to give mine to Mr. Excitement. No pressure, but I hear you can do a backflip. What's it going to take for you to, to put it on display? Give me one more in the box. Okay, one more in the box. I'll come back. Carter flipped into the end zone. Hey, he told Jenny Tap if he could get there one more time, he'd do a flip. This time, he delivered. It was a great time to call it. I had a chance to get y'all guys the up and over. And we went up. And we went over. Six to the boy. Six to the boy. That, oh, man. That... <laughs> That I don't know what my I have to rank in in just Martez Carter's performance my favorite things he did on Sunday and maybe <laughs> you number could rank his sentences is actually maybe yeah, maybe number one is probably six to the board because that is like the new that's the new catchphrase that's if I if I was doing line of the week like Vince does uh, I might I might go six, six to the board yeah, six to the board six to the board. <laughs> That's the way to do it. That's but then There's the some flips. great footage on Instagram too for the Wildcats of all the action going on on the sideline. A lot of fun to be had. Uh, when you're up 39, uh, 30 points, excuse me, uh, you could have a lot of fun like that, like the XFL. Oh, actually, uh, this LA just Wildcats got were doing. this just got handed to me by our invisible producer Bryant. This is a party of the week goes to the LA Wildcats sidelines for week three. <laughs> Uh, Mardi Gras was in St. Louis, but the party to be had was in the LA Wildcats uh, sideline. Six to the boy! Players like like um, um, like Carter make it so easy for reporters, don't they? It, it, they're just so energetic. You, know, you just put a microphone in front of their face, and they'll, they'll do the rest. Oh, exactly. And we're and the cool thing is we're you know week three, but. The sideline reporters are learning who to go to and how and how to do their job, you know, in a in a fun way too. So those are getting better and better. I honestly think from week three, two, one, each week has been progressively better in terms of the content we got on the sidelines and the entertainment, because now the players are more aware of how everything works too. So it gives you special moments like Mr. Excitement with some just mm, pure uncut unadulterated absolutely xfl football right there with all he did on sunday the line of the week got this from uh vince he sent this in to me uh brian as we were doing the show prep he said you make sure june jones wins this week's line of the week and i said do not worry it is of course the houston roughnecks head coach our guy is going like this the guy runs up his face if he's playing the ball then you could uh, but he's not playing the ball and if for you not to see uh, contact on that, I'm wondering what the hell you're doing in this league. Seriously. 
<laughs> Listen, if you haven't seen this clip, it's on so it's on social media, it's everywhere. Go take a look at the, the visualizations that June Jones is also doing because he's like acting like the receiver. He's in the face of the referee. Uh the access, Alan. I, I guess last week we got that quarterback access. Uh, this and the coaching access this week we get that coach and referee access that we really haven't get we don't get to see too often we just see kind of we have to read lips normally when we watch this kind of confrontation on the field so it was kind of cool to see this uh, man june jones <laughs> i'm wondering what the hell you're doing in this league what the hell are you doing in this league line of the week from coach june jones a beautiful beautiful moment and very much so like, you know, his uh, good friend he was coaching against reminded me a lot of Jerry Glanville, who has the famous NFL not for long, long line captured by NFL films back in the day. And June Jones, you knew you knew he's got that fire. Now the camera, the mic is in front of him and he learned from the best Jerry Glanville and he get a special, special line like that. And uh, I feel I feel bad for that referee, I'm sure. That was a heat of the moment thing. I don't know. Hopefully, <laughs> hopefully he doesn't get berated like that too much the rest of the season. I'm wondering what the hell you're doing in this league. All right, let's go to the celebration of the week, Brian. Easiest one to give away. Martez Carter backflip, right? Can't nobody could touch that. Uh, the only one Allen that I saw, he didn't do it, but I thought he was, was when Kristen Michael scored that first touchdown. Uh, for the St. Louis Battlehawks. He runs into the end zone. He runs towards the person holding the big Battlehawks flag. I literally thought he was going to grab that and just start waving it around. I saw it that was this close to happening. Uh, maybe next week we'll see that. But, yeah, you can't beat the the, the double backflip uh, somersault, whatever you call it. I'm not a gymnast, so I don't know what it was. Uh, pretty amazing. I think that's just an easy winner uh, for Jake this week for sure. And uh, what about you? Who made you look good this week, Bryant? Oh, I could, I could add. I have a few ones that that can make me look good this week, right? Don uh, Parham out of uh, what, 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 uh, what college is that, Alan? Stetson. Oh yeah, in Florida. Thank you very much for that one. Um, had another great game, but I'm gonna give this one as a group this week. I think I'm allowed to do that because it is my award, and I'm giving it to the LA Wildcats. Why would I not give it to them? I picked them to win this game. I was the only one on this show to pick picked them to win the game and they did they came out they performed they looked great doing it i mean really it was like no contest they made the defenders look defenseless it was something that the wildcats uh no one expected i didn't expect them to have that kind of a performance but really when you dominated a team the way they did they did 39 to 9 and just pretty much every single offensive category and defensive category and special teams category how do you not win this award especially when i picked them to win it uh, so my award goes to the la wildcats they did make you look good, and they looked as good as any team has looked, I think, in a win this 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 season so far. That might have been the most impressive win by any team to me. I mean, it was a, a butt-whooping they laid, a 30-point win. They scored more points than anyone scored in a game yet. Would you say that was the most impressive victory of any team so far in the XFL? Yeah, that's the most impressive. That's the only one that can compare is DC's win over New York last week, and it wasn't even close. New York, uh, LA came in, dominated every every single part of this game uh from from whistleblow to to the end of the game and and really it was just i don't know how you cannot say that it's the quality of the play well the la wildcats look good in that game where'd they fall in our power rankings it uh, looks like number five bryant how'd that happen i think i had them ahead of dc even though their record's not as good by beating them that way they jumped ahead of me but for the collective power rankings that you and Vince, Jake, and I all vote on. Uh, it looks like LA ended up at number five. You want to run down these whole rankings for everybody? 
Yeah, Alan, you and I were actually no, you know, right on the money for each one of our power rankings. Uh, but this was the collective between all four of us and some tiebreakers here based on the algorithms. Remember, I just put it into the sheet and then, you know, whatever comes out, comes out. But number eight, New York, I think no surprise. They really uh, just have not looked like a great football team the last two weeks. Uh, they've kind of uh, settled into that spot. Tampa Bay, although they look great, still no victories. It's hard to put them ahead of some other teams. Uh, especially teams that have beat them, uh, but with I know New York beat Tampa, but come on, I mean, just two 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 teams going in opposite directions, even though one has a victory and the other one doesn't. Uh, then you have Seattle number six. I think it's fair to say that of the one and two teams, uh, Seattle, you know they they've had their chances, but it's just really something that they haven't been able to put together. All they can't put sixty minutes together. I think that's something we'll talk about here in a little bit as we recap week three. Uh, and then L.A., like you mentioned, at number five, behind D.C. at number four. Uh, you and I had that flipped. We both had D.C. behind L.A. based on that game. I think it's fair to give D.C. the nod because of their first two weeks of performance, but it's hard for me to give somebody that much. It wasn't a close game. It was a complete blowout, straight molly as we were saying all weekend long. Uh, so to see D.C. ahead of L.A., a little hard for me, but I, I understand that one. And then you have Dallas, number three. I think they've kind of solidified the, their spot in this, in that number three spot. Uh, St. Louis, number two. And then Houston, number one. Uh, really just nothing saying that Houston can't. Houston's basically played the same game for three weeks. They just outscore you and then work you down at the very end to not let you catch up to them. So Houston, number one, for sure. I think that's just uh, an obvious pick for number one on our power rankings. How easy that's the easiest and everything else is up for the debate and it looked like on Twitter when we posted those uh, a lot of people agreed but I think the were some people you know were kind of uh questioning it or you know being a little combative were actually at the bottom of it and us flipping New York and Tampa uh one team beat the other but the power rankings are uh, are fleeting and what have you done for me lately and they incorporate really whatever kind of criteria each of us puts into them when we vote but i mean just from the eye test looking at those football teams one like you said going in the a positive direction fighting back even though their record is pretty bad and you know the other looking like they are on the verge of just total uh disarray and and they are discombobulated in every phase of the game Here's the way I look at it. If I had to play one team and I had the choice to play one team next week to to win a million dollars or to win $100,000 or to make the playoffs, I'd rather play the Guardians than the Tampa Bay Vipers. That's how I look at it. And right now the Vipers are looking better than they have in the last three weeks while the New York Guardians uh, do not. So I think that's kind of how I put it together. And then I love the the Dallas Renegades Twitter account putting the picture of Batman <laughs> and Robin climbing Climb up wall. the wall. Just climbing. Well, they have a huge matchup this week that I think we're going to get into a little bit later. Uh, but that Texafell showdown, that's I mean, that might be the most anticipated game so far this season. I think with both teams having so much uh, in the balance, Houston trying to solidify themselves as the number one and Dallas trying to say show that they are the team that they said they were. So it's going to be a great game. Oh, yeah. That we. We might, we might, if Houston wins that game, they might get two spots ahead of everybody. We might have to leave a gap between them and everybody else if they're able to beat Dallas this week. Is that <laughs> that's going to say a whole lot if they beat their in-state rival? And what are you calling that again? The official, unofficial uh, nickname the, for the Roughnecks the and hashtag, Renegades? The, 
It's the hashtag TexFL Showdown. TexFL Showdown. All right. Well, how about we run that by our guest here coming up, and uh, we'll uh, we'll see what he thinks about it. We're going to talk to Jonathan Coachman from the XFL pregame. And if you missed it, we were a part of the XFL pregame, Bryant. We our shenanigans in St. Louis made the show. Did you see that? Oh, I saw it. I I, I framed it. I don't know how you can frame a, a video, but I framed it, put it up on the on the fridge for everyone to look at. That was pretty Proud cool moment. to be a part of that pregame show. <laughs> uh, but it was yeah, it was cool to be a part of that pregame show. I like we watch it every morning, Alan, before the games start. Uh, you and I are always on pins and needles waiting for that thing to post. So uh, we're able to watch that uh, before the St. Louis games. So it was a lot of fun. We're out in St. Louis. Uh, showing the the world how hyped St. Louis was for uh, that football game. Yep, and Jonathan Coachman hosts that show with Elise Ashton. And, of course, you can watch those on Saturdays and Sundays before kickoff of the first game each XFL week. Jonathan Coachman, we plan on talking to him this time every single week throughout the season to recap all the action with him and look ahead. So here we go, our conversation with Jonathan Coachman right here on This Is The XFL Show. The word everyone's throwing out is parody, but the word I want to throw out to you to start this off is caca to you, sir. <laughs> I told Elise on our XFL pregame show that I would never, ever say that caca stuff that you guys had in your reports from St. Louis. All of a sudden, Elise loves it. I refuse to do it. They will have to win an XFL championship. Before I will do that ridiculous caca. Well, yeah, that might be this year, Coach, because they're looking pretty good, and now <laughs> they're atop the East. I mean, they 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 were, I mean, electric at home, and that's where I want to start because that's where we were this weekend for the for the Battle Hawks and the Battle Dome and their big win against the Guardians. And how impressive was that team to you and that crowd? More importantly, well, we knew you know, coming in that whether it's from you guys or from reports coming out of St. Louis, that the city, because it seems a lot longer than, what, four years, five years since they've had professional football. When, when you hear somebody say 2015, it seems a lot longer ago than that. But it wasn't. And you knew they were starved. You knew they wanted a, a professional football team. And it showed yesterday. And on top of that, St. Louis is a really, really good team. They easily could be 3-0. and up. Easily. They've got a really, really good quarterback. And what I want people to understand is when you see your team play well, there is one overriding reason for it. You've got a quarterback who is playing good football. If you look at the successful teams right now, that's what you have. And if you look at the teams that are struggling, that's exactly what you have. It's not a, it's not a difficult thing to, to figure out. And also you're seeing offenses that are a little bit farther ahead because of the good quarterback play. For me, it's very simple, and St. Louis is right there as a team that I'm looking at, along with Houston, and I would have said D.C. before this weekend, Oof. but they got exposed yesterday. So to me, the two best teams are Houston and St. Louis. Yeah, I, that's what I love about it. This After this week three, my favorite thing coming out of this weekend, Coach, is that Last week, we were saying the best teams in this league were, were a couple teams, the D.C. and Houston. Now the tide is shifting a little bit, and I expect it, I don't know about you, to kind of shift throughout the season because the word everyone is, is using today, parity, is real in the XFL, and a lot of these teams are just getting better week to week. Well, I, I think one thing that I have to keep re, uh, you know, saying week after week so that the 
I don't like playing to the negative Nellies, but they're out there. And we want, we want all the fans that we can get is that there still has to be a little bit of patience because the teams just haven't been together that long. Now next year, it'll be different because players will be coming in a little bit earlier. They'll be believing in the league. This year it was a, Hey guys, we're all starting together. We're all going to go and train together. And it just takes, teams a while when you've got a Landry Jones in Dallas who didn't play week one that's going to take him a little bit of time and how much better did he look Alan this week than he did his first week and so those are things and that's how certain teams are going to get better as the season progresses and yeah you could say the same thing too for Josh Johnson I think for the LA Wildcats who really stepped his game up in that huge win for for them over D.C. Uh, real quick, wrapping up the St. Louis victory. They looked awesome. Their fans were awesome. The the battle, Hawks, chant back and forth. The Dome was rocking. But what about those New York Guardians? They had nine points scored. I think they lost their cool a little bit in that game, Coach. And, you know, I mean, when we're talking power rankings on our show a whole lot today, uh, New York's near the bottom. It's them or Tampa, I think, amongst most of us. Is, is this – is, are they, can they recover from the hole they're in right now, the Guardians? Because they look almost in disarray. Well, I mean, they they can. I mean, there's only been three games. And uh, I, I was trying to target how many wins it's going to take to get into the Final Four. And I, I'm guessing it's going to take seven. So if that's the case, then they've got to go six and one the rest of the way. <sighs> However, with what I saw the last two weeks, and this is the beauty of getting the interviews done on the field, during the game, in the moment. And last week, who went viral? It was uh, Matt McGoy because yep. of, let's throw the entire uh, playbook out the window. Those are things you don't normally see in an NFL game. So you don't know uh, the turmoil behind the scenes between the offensive coordinator and the quarterback and the head coach and the, the wide receivers. You're going to see that play out. So going into to this past week's game, you knew how McGoy felt about the offense, didn't you? We knew, we all knew. And so when I watched that game against the uh, Battle Hawks, all I kept thinking in my head, Alan, was, man, McGloin's getting ready to go off again, and we're <laughs> going to get to see it. And that, the ability to think that that could happen was enough to keep me glued for the entire game because he had another awful game. And you can't sugarcoat when somebody plays bad. And these players, I think these players are starting to, to show the world. I hopefully NFL players will see this that when you make a mistake, you got to be able to handle it like a man, and you just can't go off and yell and scream and curse. You got to stay in the moment. You got to be an athlete that understands you're going to make mistakes. And that's what I love about the interviews during the game is that oh. you're seeing how players adapt and handle adversity. And Matt McGloin right now is the poster child for that. Oh, absolutely. I think we know more about these XFL players than we know about a lot of NFL players we've watched for years and years just because of that access, Coach. And I think what we saw at a Cardell Jones on the sidelines and the, cam the cameras and microphones picking him up, you know, was that he he's a guy who – he took this loss in stride. Uh, let's, I, I mean, I'll call it a whooping in stride. They got beat bad, DC, yeah. and and kind of was you know before that game was over, he was telling his guys to put it behind us, and he was telling the media, put it, let's, we're putting this one behind us. It's one game, and you like to see that out of DC. But what a game that was! LA thirty nine, DC nine. No, I don't know if anybody saw that coming, but it happened, and now I think that game really sh changed the entire complexion of the league really when it comes to the east and the west 
the reason it was a surprise is because uh, Josh Johnson, much like Landry Jones, uh, did not play week one. He was injured, and we didn't know what he would have because a lot of these quarterbacks haven't played in a significant amount of time. And I think what Cardell Jones is channeling is he understands that this is his last chance to be a big-time quarterback. He's got everything that you could want, the physical skill. So his, the question for him has always been mentally. Can he handle the mistake? Can he adjust throughout the game? Can he make uh, those adjustments so that he can call audibles at the line of scrimmage? And I believe he's told himself, that this is an opportunity for all NFL executives, for all football executives, all XFL executives, to see how smart a football player he really is. If he didn't handle that loss in stride, we would know it, we would see it, we would hear it. And I think this is helping players adjust like these quarterbacks and showing coaches and players, uh, or excuse me, and executives, how they handle in-the-moment uh, adversity. And I think that's the best thing that we're learning about these players and these quarterbacks through the first three weeks. I can't wait to see Pep Hamilton re recover from that game too and game plan for Tampa next week because I feel like he's going to be – he's a coach that's going to be really good at bouncing back after something like that. And they're taking on a Tampa Bay team that finally, Coach, got an offensive touchdown but still at the end of the game, red zone offense was the issue and they ended up coming short – Coming up short, would have had a huge upset over Houston and what was a really fun game to watch. D.C. and Tampa Bay, could D.C. potentially lose back-to-back -back weeks to winless teams? Here's the deal, and I would say this to Mark Tressman, the head coach for Tampa, to his face. I said it on the show. I'm going to say it again next week. I don't care that they scored 27 points last week against Houston. The bottom line is, you're not going to maximize your ability as an offense unless you buy into one quarterback. I'm all about the way the Saints use Taysom Hill, okay? But Mark Tressman platoons his quarterback sometimes during a drive. You can't ask a quarterback to do anything less than that. I mean, how is he supposed to be ready for third and six? You know what I mean? All right, go ahead. He's not a wide receiver. He's not a, he's not a running back. He's the quarterback. So until Tressman decides on one guy, Cornelius, I, I personally would go with Quentin Flowers. I think he's a better runner. I think he, he's, uh, he's more confident. And he, he went just short of saying on the sidelines, I should be the guy because he's a team guy. But Tressman, if he doesn't settle on one, you know that old saying, if you got two quarterbacks, you got none. <laughs> well, right now I feel like they have none. And until he settles on one, uh, but again, he, he's always been a great play caller. I don't know how great of a head coach he is, but we're seeing it, and you can't hide, and you, you, you can't hide behind somebody else because you're hearing everything the head coach says. And I think right now it's a mistake, but I'm not the coach. But all I know is that what I'm backing my opinion up with is 0-3 and, yeah. and inconsistency when I watch every single down of this Tampa team play. So I think there's some validity to what I'm saying. He would probably disagree because he's a head coach. <laughs> but you got to win games. You got to score points. Period. End of story. Well, I'm with you. I'm with you, Coach. The the teams that are winning right now have some consistency. L.A. found the consistency at quarterback, and look what happened with Josh Johnson and D.C. You know, start off with Cardell. That you know they had a, a rough one this week, but they're near the top. And of course, Houston with P.J. Walker and Tampa Bay. Now you Aaron Murray getting healthy too. I mean, another another decision for Mark Trespin. You just got to. 
pick one and go with it, I think. And I think that offense could move the ball, and, and they were really fun to watch in that Houston game. But Cam Phillips and P.J. Walker were the ones of that. They're the, they dominated. They're the, star, they're the budding stars of this league. Six touchdowns in two weeks for Cam Phillips. Amazing. I mean, I didn't. I don't know about you. I didn't expect players to really separate themselves as the elite class of this league this early. But these two guys are head and shoulders above everybody almost. Well, I think there are certain players that are realizing that if they continue to show out and show up, that their phones will be ringing come May when the NFL season truly starts after the draft. And we're already seeing, I can, I can name three to five players right now that I've seen on Twitter where people have said, this guy's going to be playing for this team next year in the NFL. And ultimately, we want to have 10, 15, 20 stories like that. Because guess what's going to happen in the next three to five years? Now you're going to have guys in the NFL, they're going to say on Sunday, so he was playing for the Guardians last, last spring. He was playing for the Wildcats in L.A. You know, and, and to where they're intertwined. And these players are realizing that they've never had an opportunity, Alan, like they have right now, where not only are you seeing what they can do on the field, you're starting to feel what kind of a person they are off the field. And more and more, when you're a fringe player, when you're not going to be a star in the NFL, guess what? You've got to be a great teammate. You've got to be somebody people can rely on. You've got to be willing to do things that other players aren't willing to do. And I think you can take a little bit out of that when you see how a person reacts to adversity. And I think that's a really cool thing. And it's going to be an intangible that executives are going to use when they're looking at what players they want to bring into camp. It's exciting to see these guys take advantage of the opportunity. You had Martez yep. Carter flipping into the end zone and then taking the time to <laughs> show his – Coach, I think he showed too much on all those those touchdown celebrations. How, how many more flips can he do with any other touchdowns he scores the rest of the season? Well, every athlete will tell you the next touchdown could be the last touchdown. So if that's the case, then you want to show out as much as you can when you score. Now, you hope that he scores a lot. So maybe he's going to have to get above, uh, go above and beyond with his celebrations or get creative or uh, bring other people involved. But that's on him. And I'm anxious to see what happens. Oh, man, that L.A. team had so much fun in that win. And I don't know, could you – I could never – keep the, the stone-cold face stare Winston Moss had when that Gatorade bath hit him. It looked like it was just like a, a, war, a soft breeze hitting him. He did not budge until his players got right in his face. Like, did you see that? Could you possibly keep yeah. your cool like he did? He looked, oh, man, unshakable. I mean, it is to, to go through what these coaches have gone through, what these players have gone through. Uh, I just think it was just a, a moment that he's been waiting for for a really, really long time, and that really felt good because when you're a coach, let's remember, this is all about storylines, right? When you guys do your show every single day, you're talking about storylines. These are these guys' lives. And as you, can as you can tell, this means a lot to me. I love trying to be a small part of somebody else living out their dream because this is my dream. I'm living my dream every single day. So when I see these players and what they're willing to go through, what they've gone through, and the coaches living in 15 or 20 different places just to coach this game, when I look at it like that, 
then I can see why sometimes you can react that way because a lot <laughs> of things go through your head because it's hard to be successful. It's hard to win at any profession, let alone professional football. So I thought that was pretty cool. Oh, it was beautiful from that scene. And, of course, St. Louis this weekend. I, it was it – was, there's a lot of joy in, the, in some locker rooms, and of course the Bud Light Seltzer showers were on and popping <laughs> as they as they tend to do in the XFL. We're learning, Coach. Well, we're headed off into Week Four. So, anything left before we talk to you after next week, man? This was a really this was a, a interest the most interesting weekend I thought so far, and I think Week Four is really going to be pretty wild when you consider all that's going to be on the line. The further we get, we're almost halfway to the season, almost. Man, it's going great. Every week is gone is getting it even better. The interest is still there, and most importantly, the football is really good. And this week, the one game before I get out of here that I'm looking at Sunday, one o'clock, FS1, Dallas hosting Houston. That's going to be an awesome game. I can't wait for that one. Yeah, well, Bryant coined that the TexFL Showdown. What do you think of that name? Should we work on it? <laughs> I like it. I like it. I really do. We'll put it on a T-shirt for you, Coach, and we'll talk to you next week. Enjoy week four. Sounds good. Same time next week, boys. Have a good one. Well, I couldn't get him to cacaw, Bryant, but he did approve of the Tex FL showdown. So there you go from from the coach in my conversation with him. Uh, he sa- he sends his best to you He's for you not being able to make that, that call with us earlier. Yeah, I had planned to be on that call, so I appreciate you kind of stepping in there and filling in. Uh, so, so what you're saying is he's not for the caca that we're promoting so hard on this show, but he is for the Texafl showdown. Uh, so he likes half the stuff that we do. I guess that's an okay percentage for now, uh, but a lot of fun to talk to the coach every single week. I'm glad we're doing these uh, to get the perspective of him, who's hosting that pregame show, you know, with Elise Ashton and and like I said, it's it's a good show. It's it gets you ready, it gets you ready for the the week of games. He he makes his picks. Uh, and coach giving his opinion on the XFL, which you know what he's passionate about. He was there in 2001 for the first iteration. Now he's here uh, for this one. He loves it, and and to show that passion every single weekend, uh, two times on two pregame shows is a lot of fun. Yeah, never miss that XFL pregame. Watch it on XFL YouTube, or just get the XFL app and you turn all those notifications on. And anytime something cool from the league is out and games are kicking off and. Whatever you need from the league, it's right there on the XFL app. You could download it today, get real-time scores, stats, scoring plays. I was sitting there with the app open on my phone during the game in St. Louis, helping me out, knowing how many yards the Battle Hawks were racking up all over the Guardians. You also get insider videos, and like we said, that pregame, all the news from across the XFL. The XFL app gets you ready for game day. With venue information to team updates. So we saw Battlehawks fans walking in. They had the app open because, well, you could customize it to your favorite team and you get your in stadium, on the go, ticketing, all of it right there in one place. The XFL app, your source for everything XFL. And you could download the official XFL app for free today, right now in the Google Play Store or in the App Store. Go get it. It is essential, especially for anybody listening to this show. You follow the XFL. You love it. Get the XFL app, baby. Now, let's get into all these games, recap them a little bit more one by one, look ahead for each team one by one, put a bow on week number three. In this week's Hot Read... All day long, great focus, great intensity. Great focus, great intensity. 
Let's do this, Bryant, and recap week number three. We'll briefly touch upon each game. We've already done our recap minisodes, instantly talking about them. Now we've digested it a little bit more, have some other th- comments to make, and then we'll look ahead for each team. And we'll start with that first game from Saturday. Houston beating Tampa Bay 34 227. The Roughnecks still undefeated. And it was an impressive game once again for them offensively. Trailing by a field goal deep in their own territory. Here's Walker. Steps up and throws. Ball was tipped. And it's caught. Racing down the sideline is who else but Cam Phillips for the touchdown. How about 84 yards to the house? You know it's a good day when you're getting hit and the guy's still catching the ball for 84 yards, Brian. Well, you know it's a good day, too, when P.J. Walker drops the ball, picks it up, dusts it off, and runs into the end zone before anybody knows what's going on. Uh, that was a great game offensively <laughs> for the Houston did you just <laughs> Did you just quote Mr. Coach Klein right on the show <laughs> from the water boy? Maybe a little bit. If you check it out on Instagram, I, I ended up putting something together there at XFL Show. It was a lot of fun. It's basically what happened. Uh, <laughs> um. Great performance again by the Houston Roughnecks. Tampa Bay looked good. They looked different. Again, though, that one bugaboo that they can't seem to get over is what plagued them at the end of the game, and that's being able to get into the end zone when they're in the red zone. Uh, I think there were two for three, maybe two for four, Alan. But but sometimes in hockey there's a saying about power plays. It's not how many, but it's when. You're able to score on the power play to put teams down. Uh, Tampa Bay, even though they were able to score while they were in the red zone, it's about when you do it, and they weren't able to do it in the fourth quarter when the game was on the line. Well, honestly, Tampa Bay, if you, at the end of week three, say which teams showed the most improvement, they're up there, maybe the most in this game against Houston. But, yeah, the the when, the capitalizing on the opportunities, and while they you know fixed some of the issues and were able to score two for three in the red zone, uh, their quarterback, you know, like the coach mentioned earlier, their quarterback switching was still kind of odd to see if, as a fan. Um, maybe with Aaron Murray coming back, it'll just settle on him and have some special stuff for Quentin Flowers because he is a dynamic player. But the the thing about Tampa Bay is at the end of that game, they're on the 37-yard line of Houston driving a chance to tie it or take the lead, and Cornelius throws that pick. DeMarcus Gates pretty much sealed the game. For Houston, it, it was all over then, and that again, you know, Tampa Bay was driving, and they stopped, they stalled. It was either they either just stall or they make a mistake. That was a mistake there by the young quarterback Taylor Cornelius, and it told me a lot though this game mostly about the capabilities of the Tampa Bay Vipers. They are able to play with anybody in this league. They can move the ball. They can score the ball. And I think if they just keep that fire that they had in this game, because you knew they were going to be up for it, home opener, best team in the XFL in the house, uh, they need to play like that every week, and they will see results. I, I, I truly believe that. I saw some people, Brian, on Twitter trying to say Houston barely beat a bad team. That's not the case at all to me. Houston played fine. They've, like you said, played the same game they've played all season long. Tampa Bay stepped up in this game, and I don't think really they're 0-3, but I'm not going to call them a bad team. I don't. I I can't call them a bad team, and I won't call them a bad team. I don't, they were, the only problem that they're having is being able to score when they're in the red zone. Fourth and one from the one uh, to, to get in to tie this game or at least have an attempt to tie the game, and they get stuffed. Like I said, that's you talk about that interception that 
Cornelius throw. I'm talking about that play. That was with about six minutes left in the game. Excuse me, four minutes left in the game uh, when that happened. Uh, but they're not a bad team. Houston has continuously played the same game. They score a lot of points. They get to a point where they're ahead of you, and then they and then they put their foot down and don't let you score, and, and they don't let you come back. That happened to L.A. in week one. It happened to St. Louis in week two, and now it happened to Tampa Bay in week three. Is it going to happen to Dallas in week four? Who knows, but at the same time, uh, Houston has a game plan. They're just scoring a lot of points. Possession, like you said, Alan, doesn't matter to this team. Uh, they just want to score points and make sure that you can't when the time matters. Well, there we have it. The Roughnecks still undefeated. Another victory for them. The P.J. Walker-Cam Phillips show rolls on. They have Dallas coming up this week in uh, easily the game that, that we're most anticipating for week number four, and they will be on the road for that one, Bryant. So uh, Houston traveling to their – I mean, we're going to preview it a whole lot, but what do they have to do – just real quick, uh, uh, just a real quick piece of your preview of this. What what do they have to do to be successful in Dallas? You think? Is they can they continue to play this same game? Will this work in Dallas? I think is the question that we should be asking. And I don't think there's a problem there because if they're able to score and then hold Dallas off at the very end, I think that's something that that Landry Jones hasn't had a to do a game winning drive yet, you know. No. Dallas they, has shown that they're able to stop a team at the end like they did in LA in week 2, but but the the test is to me is on the Dallas side. If Houston comes and gives you this exact same game, can Dallas do what they need to do? Landry Jones has not played well these these first 2 weeks that he's played. Uh so I don't know if if Houston wants to tempt him by getting to a shootout or just do what they're doing and try to make them make make Landry Jones beat you because he hasn't had that opportunity yet this season. Well, both these teams have been really good with the lead at the end of a game, cl- cl- closing it out. And, uh, yeah, that's going to be one of the fun things to break down on the late Thursday night show. But, yep, Houston on the road, and that game is Sunday at 4 p.m. Eastern on FS1. As we've coined it, the Tex-FL showdown, Houston and Dallas. Tampa Bay, they stay home. They'll host the D.C. Defenders. What does Tampa Bay have to do? I think it's pretty easy. They need to just finish the game you said Bryant full four quarter 60 minute performance go out there and and you know if if this is the offense you you want to run next week that what you did with Flowers and Cornelius if Murray's not ready I think you might be in good shape you are developing some sort of you know uh rhythm I guess and the off the other players look like they were comfortable a little bit this week so if you continue to do that and you Stave off a really angry and embarrassed DC team. Uh, it's it's going to just take playing the complete four quarters, and that means no mistakes in the fourth quarter to me. Well, will you call them mistakes or just not being able to finish? I think those are two different things. I, I, that interception, I think, was almost like a necessity because he's trying to move the ball down the field. You got to do what you got to do at some point, so I don't call that a mistake. You just got to be able to finish and play the game you want. If that's the way you want to do you want to rotate your quarterbacks, I think they did a better job this week of rotating their quarterbacks than they did in the first week, stayed a little more consistent with how they were doing it. Uh, you know, but Cornelius, if, if Murray's back though, what do you do? I think you, you keep Murray. I mean, Murray gained you 400 plus yards that first week of the season. I think you keep him in and let him try to finish for you. Maybe, maybe you bring in uh flowers to, to, a, for a drive to just get things a little, you know, to mix things up a little bit. But Murray, you know, didn't show me any problems week one other than not being able to finish. And if they can figure those things out, then you put him back in there and 
and, and, you know, being at home might help him a little bit to get his feet wet. You don't want uh, Aaron Murray to, to sit on the bench uh, because even though Cornelius and Flowers are doing what they can, they're still not getting that job done. So I think you bring Aaron Murray back in here to, to finish things off for this team. And I would have all sorts of plays written up, a whole playbook just for conversions for Quentin Flowers, because he, I feel like he could be a special player in the red zone when you have that kind of speed and mobility. We'll see how they utilize those quarterbacks. The Tampa Bay Vipers will play the final game. That's Sunday against D.C. at home, 7 p.m. Eastern on ESPN2. And that'll be a fun one to watch because the defenders, they do not want to lose to winless teams in back-to-back <laughs> weeks. Let's go on to the, the next game. From Saturday, the Dallas Renegades beating the Seattle Dragons 24-12. I got screwed up. I just got screwed up. Jim Zorn, uh, he he wasn't totally you know screwed up, Brian. He wasn't all messed up in this one. Just in the second half, Seattle Dragons couldn't score. And they had no conversions in this one. They were really a completely different team in quarters number three and four, whenever the Renegades came out and kind of blew their doors off with Donald Parham. We talked about how Houston has played the same game for three weeks. I feel like Dallas has kind of played the same, excuse me, Seattle has played the same game for three weeks where for whatever reason, they come out a little flat footed in that second half and, and really can't do the things that are necessary to win a football game. I know they beat Tampa, but I haven't been impressed by this team so far this season. Uh, They continue to do the things that I think are plaguing them, and that's just incom- inconsistency at the quarterback play with um, uh, Brandon Silver's uh, Dallas. Like you're saying, they're they're getting their strides. Landry Jones has not played great, but he's played well enough to win. Dallas shuts you down in that in that you know when you're trying to come back, doesn't give you the opportunities that you think you might have. Uh, Dallas is looking great. Donald Parham, I'm telling you, he is something that I think teams can try to plan for. But if Dallas gets in that 10-yard range between them and the end zone, I don't see how you don't do at least two tries at throwing it at this 6'8 tight end that can just literally not even have to jump and still catch it way over everybody else's head. I just think he's an amazing player, too, for his running ability. He outran the whole defense, too, on that play. (laughs) The thing about the Dragons, they've blown leads in both their losses. We've said this. they've, They've really competed with the teams that have beat them, D.C. and Dallas. But this second half showed you Seattle. It, I don't know if this was a game plan issue or if or what, but it feels like Seattle, they went out there, they competed, they have the athleticism, they have the players, but they came out in the second half, and Hal Mummy and Bob Stoops felt them, and they reacted in 10 minutes. I don't know how much you could game plan in 10 minutes at halftime, Bryant, but... Uh, this really showed that Seattle is a second-half team at home, too. Uh, that's very worrisome to me. The fact that you came out in the second half not fired up, having played a pretty good first one against Dallas. And it's not like – I don't. it didn't look like Dallas was doing anything except just continuing to the pace, continuing the speed. So maybe Seattle doesn't have the gas, and that's what we figured out. And Dallas has done that now two weeks in a row to L.A. and Seattle. Wasn't that what you want to do as a football team is play your game, play what you want to do and do what you want to do uh, to win a football game? I think if you can win football games by doing what you want to do, and that's a perfect example with Houston specifically, uh, now Dallas is kind of finding that stride. Get on the ball. Don't let them rest. Get on the ball. 
if you can play your game and win football games, that puts you in a perfect spot for success every single week. Uh, so I think, like I said, this Houston-Dallas matchup, the most anticipated game, I think, before the season started because everybody said, you know, Houston versus Dallas is going to be a lot of fun. But I think for more so, uh, we're getting two great football teams going head-to-head, both who like to play their own game uh, that might coll- collide very harshly uh, in, in week four. Oh, week four is going to be off the hook. Dallas is a is it feels inevitable in these last two weeks. It's just inevitably wear you out, and then they're able to pound you into the ground at the very end of the game. And they did that to Seattle. They did it to L.A. And yeah, they they found they're kind of hitting their stride. Beautiful, long, elegant strides like Donald Parham running down that's the Donald field. Parham stride. Yeah, yeah that's what that is. <laughs> they're awesome. So they are really coming together, I think, as a team. It's going to be interesting to see their defense against Houston's offense, though. I wonder if they're going to be ready for it. That's my concern for the Dallas Renegades. They are at home. It should be a pretty cool atmosphere there in Arlington. Uh, The Seattle Dragons uh, in this game, they got gassed, but they came out firing in that first one, and it looked like Brandon Silver's, you know, Showed signs of of being an effective quarterback in that first half. He hit Austin Prohl. He found found his shots. He was accurate a little bit. But then in the second half, it all kind of collapsed on him. And I kind of wonder uh, what he has to do to really be a, a four quarter quarterback and and continually bombard these teams with big plays because Seattle, let's face it, in three weeks has made some of the biggest plays in the XFL, big, long passes, and they they like taking their shots down the field. Jim Zorn, I think, calls good games. Uh, this week, they're on the road at the Battle Dome, and it doesn't get any easier, and another team that plays all four quarters. St. Louis has proven that they are a four-quarter football team, I think even in a loss, so Seattle has a tough, tough task for them I don't know if I see any team winning in the Battle Dome this year, Brian. <laughs> uh, yeah, after what DC did this past week in LA, I think it's going to be hard to pick a team to win in that building uh, this season. But, you know, Seattle, you, you talk about what Silvers has to do to, to to get through four quarters. He has to settle down. He has some of the best weapons on offense, but he's doing it in the first half. He just has to continue it uh, in the second half. And I think Seattle will be in a good spot. Again, I'm not super impressed with this team or the way they've played. I think they can play better. I think they have the tools to play better. Uh, but right now, uh, they're just playing like a sixth-ranked, power-ranked team. Yeah, they they feel like one of the very first teams out looking on the uh, from the outside looking in at the end of the season right now to me, the Seattle Dragons, a team that they have players that are capable, but they just can't put it together for the entirety of a game and – I, I like the same. It feels like, yeah, broken records, like the same thing we said last week and after week one, even even in a win, Seattle kind of looked like this. So we'll see what they do. I I keep saying it. Run the ball, Zorn. They've got that hydra of running backs. Uh, Dallas did a pretty good job trying to bottle them up. Gardner, Williams and Farrow. Um, but Seattle Dragons definitely are not an easy out. Ever and they're proving that at least because this was a an earned victory for Dallas. They really had to put some stuff together for that second half and they came out and they got the big plays and they executed. Let's see what they do against Houston. They take on again the Roughnecks at Sunday, March one, four p.m. Eastern on FS1. The Dragons in the Battle Dome is Saturday, February twenty ninth. That's this Saturday, five p.m. Eastern, and that is on Fox. And that will be loud. And that will be very fun to watch. And there will be lots of cacaing. And there will be also the battle 
Hawks chant, which was epic. <laughs> Let's talk about that fun time in St. Louis. 29-9, to the Battle Hawks beat the Guardians. And after the game, we talked on our mini-sode about how undisciplined the Guardians looked, and Kevin Gilbride in his press conference said as much. On our side, I thought our guys played hard, but we did not play very smart. And you can't win football games when you play like we did and make as many mistakes as we did. There was foolish penalties, stupid penalties and and just too many errors to to win a football game against a good football team and I told our team that I was very disappointed again I think that there was areas that we showed improvement and I was pleased with that but again you can't beat the opponent and yourself at the same time and we did that too often so that was very disappointing and made this loss even uh, even more difficult to accept than a normal one yeah, that's very tough yep. to accept. I I would say so. That was that was really rough to watch from where we were, Bryant, in terms of what the Guardians were doing and what their body language was on the sideline and what they what they were doing in the locker room and on their way home. I could only imagine. And we've said that now two weeks about this team, and that is not a good thing. Uh, bottom of our power rankings. How do they fix it? They've got some options now at quarterback that some decisions to make. What do you think they should do? Well, I asked you the question on our mini. So uh, our recap, what's the one thing you would fix if you were, you know, uh, the, the, the guardians, what would have got them closer in this game more so than anything. And that's kind of how I look at it. I think if there were more discipline, you got to play smarter. That's what I would try to fix. If I was the guardians, you're not going to win football games, no matter who's playing the quarterback. If you're taking dumb penalties, if you can't make the obvious tackles, the obvious plays, if you're, you're, if you're mentally not in this game, it doesn't matter who's playing uh, because, like Kevin Gilbride just said, you can't beat the other team and yourself and still expect to win the football game. So that's where I would start. And then you mentioned the quarterback. I will bring that up. Uh, I think although uh, Matt McGloin, to me, looked really good in week one, he has obviously not looked great in week two and three. I think it's time, and especially with that rib injury, I don't know how – what his percentage level would be for a game this week uh, when the Wildcats come to town. Uh, you know, Marquise Williams had some great drives in that game. Uh, late in the game, he wasn't able to finish, put a little too much zip on some of those passes that maybe he should have put a little more uh, touch to. Uh, but Luis Perez looked pretty good. I know that was kind of late towards the game. I'm sure there were some uh, second stringers in there for the Battle Hawks. Uh, it's a tough decision. I think you go with Marquise Williams as much as I love Luis Perez, and I think he could spark something in this team. It just gives you a different way to play the game uh, than Matt McGloin and Luis Perez have not obviously the same game, but similar games. You know, neither man is that mobile like Marquise Williams is. So I think you put Marquise Williams in there and he had some great passes, some great plays. So I think Marquise Williams gives this team something different, uh, which is what you got to do when you're playing the way you have the last two weeks. Yeah. And also we mentioned it last week. The Guardians have injuries on their offensive line. And when you've got injuries on the offensive line, your quarterback is under duress and has to move more. And Matt McGloin and Luis Perez, compared to Marquise Williams, uh, not suited for that. So maybe with injuries on your O-line, he's a better option. And, I mean, I don't know how healthy Garrett Brumfield will be this week for the Guardians. We'll see. But that's I'm with you. I think it's Marquise Williams' turn at quarterback for the Guardians. And also, I'm going to say this, you know, G.A. Mangus has been calling the offense for 
for New York so far this season, and we went into it thinking it would probably be Kevin Gilbride. Maybe it's time for the head coach to think about taking over those duties or something because the communication issues are so prevalent for the New York Guardians on offense. It's almost hard to watch as a fan just to see how the frustration on the field, and you would hope that they could correct this somehow. I don't know if they're – they don't know the terminology. I don't know if they're having technical issues. What it is, but I don't. No team looks as confused out there each week as New York does on offense. Am I wrong there, Brian? Uh, I don't know if it's the play calling though. I mean, it's just been the play of the team. It, yeah, it but really the communi- like- the communication is is an issue. You see them with their head, hands on their head. Players are looking all over, like, "What the hell are we doing out here?" And everybody gets all up in arms. It's why you had McGloin having his blow up. You know what though, if you if you take the play calling duties away from GA Mangus, then you're you're kind of giving some validity to what uh, Matt McGloin said in week two, and I don't think you want that kind of attention, at least not this week. Maybe let another week boil over because I I think the the Guardians can play better and make Mangus look better. I think that's how you kind of have to put it. If if it doesn't work this week, if 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 the Guardians come out disciplined and well, you know, self controlled and they still can't score the football, then I think you can make that change. But right now, the Guardian players are shooting themselves in the foot way too much for me. Uh, but let's not make this all about the Guardians. I mean, the Battlehawks, come on, man. They had a great and impressive game. you got to give them some credit for how bad the Guardians played because the Battlehawks just looked great. Oh, of course, yeah. And the, and the atmosphere, that we knew that the Battlehawks would come ready and they, their fans were going to come cacophony. <laughs> and we knew that. The Jordan Tamu was going to be put in great situations by his coaching staff, and I've seen that all season long. I think the play calling for the Battlehawks has been money all season long, and you know we've discussed that. Oh, are they a gadget offense? Are they you know are they smoking mirrors? I say no. I think they're just very multiple, and they are able to attack in different ways according to who the opponent is. They've been picking weaknesses, and they've been attacking and being very effective, and most importantly, running the ball really well. Their offensive line looks great, and then you saw what they did on that kick return, and I think, Bryant, at this point, with all that they've shown they're able to do and how multiple they are in their play calling, it might be the most innovative team in the XFL in terms of the ways they can hurt you. Gimmick offense, right? Isn't that what we heard? Before? Oh, a total gimmick. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, the, the Battlehawks, we didn't give them enough credit before the season started on all the different uh, ways they can beat you. Jordan Tamu, you know, I said it on the recap show. It was an instant recap, so I really didn't get a lot of time to analyze it. But he looked good in this game. I know he didn't. his stats weren't there, but he looked good. His throws were accurate. His decision-making was great. I think he didn't have one bad throw, really, in this game. Uh, you know, they did. He did what he had to do. Uh, so don't let stats fool you on on Jordan Tamu. And then when you have when you score, when you can score on four running plays from your own thirty yard line, uh, I think you're doing okay as as a team. And really, that that team is functioning well. Uh, they're they're having a lot of fun out there. That stadium is electric. The fans, the support is there. I really see St. Louis as one of the better teams for many reasons uh, in the XFL right now. Uh, so the, the gameplay itself is, is a lot of fun to watch. Uh, it's just, it's fun to see that they're, they're not like that exciting fun, but they're just a lot of fun to see them play football with the way they do things and how surgical, uh, they are with the way they're playing both sides, actually all three facets of this game, special teams included. 
Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I like you say that the exciting fun because they will just pound you with that RPO because they're going to set it up a lot. That's what I love about this. I love the way Jordan Tamu really makes it uh, dangerous for these defenses, especially when you get to the later parts of the game because he's been handing the ball off up the gut a whole lot and and keeping them on their toes, making them play honest defensive football, and then he just can kill you with either his legs or rolling out. And he had the one play where he rolled out and he escaped a sack somehow miracle and throws it down the field accurately he looks like a special player and he's improving every week and then of course you know that that offensive line the run game matt jones looking like the best running back in the xfl right now racking up the yards each and every week for the battle hawks as they cacaw to the top of the east division in the xfl so Two, two, two very different directions for these teams in the East. St. Louis now will host, as we said, the Dragons on on Saturday, Bryant. And I think more of the same. you got to make the Dragons play honest on defense all game long, and they match up pretty well against that team. Uh, the thing is, I think that Battlehawk defense can get complacent a little bit. A little bit. You can't afford to do that against players like Austin Prohl and those running backs Seattle has. Keenan Reynolds and Austin Proles, that's a dual threat uh, run uh, wide receivers there that you have to pay attention to, and then they have all those running backs. It's really if Brandon Silvers can place the ball where it needs to be placed. Uh, you got to remember, you know, St. Louis has only given up five touchdowns. That's league best so far this season, uh, and really four of those are against Houston. So unless your name is Houston, uh, you're really not scoring <laughs> touchdowns against this team. Um, so it's going to be loud. It's going to be probably even louder than I would think last week, Alan, because to me – after this week, based on what we saw while we are in St. Louis, the word is only getting bigger uh, that you need to get to these games because they're a lot of fun and the team's pretty dang good. Uh, but then you have the opposite that we were talking about. You have the Wildcats going uh, to New York. New York, their first home game since week one. Uh, you have the Wildcats coming in on a high uh, with a lot of energy. They're loud. They might be louder than that crowd. Who knows what's going to happen in New York? I'm sure we'll get to that on our Thursday show. But uh, two teams that are in the opposite directions, like we said, but and I think opposite directions and also in what they have to face this week coming up uh, in week four. Yep. New York. Uh, we'll see who they pick at quarterback. My votes to Williams coach Gilbride, but we'll see what you do and uh, good luck to the guardians. They're going to be taking on a fired up swag in LA wildcats team. That is just, Oh, so, so dangerous after their big win against the DC defenders. At one point, I wanted to be the best Power Ranger ever, so no one else can do a backflip. I could. Go, go, Power Ranger Martez Carter. <laughs> I was the red one, Alan. Where were you? All red, all the way. Yeah. All the Hits red, right? Okay, cool. I went to green and white after a little bit, too. Never. But never. No. Red all day, all the way. Martez Carter. Are you Carter. sure you were the red one, though? Yes, just because I'm colorblind. That's a cheap shot. Martez Carter now is my new favorite Power Ranger. And the L.A. Wildcats, 39-9 victory over the D.C. Defenders, shocking over the weekend. I mean, sure, Bryant picked L.A. to win, but nobody thought it would be a 30-point mollywop and drubbing of, the, of an undefeated XFL team. How dangerous are the Wildcats now that they gained all this swag? I mean, their coach, you, we know Winston Moss. We saw it in his face when he got that Gatorade bath. He tried to hold it in. He loved that, that that his first win as a head coach was just such a complete team victory, and now they get to bring that to New York. Oh, man, what a special, special win and could have been a very special turning point for their season. 
Alan, you know how they talk about there's never a sure thing uh, in professional football. Alan, if on Thursday I told you I'll give you whatever odds you want uh, at plus 29 for the D.C. defenders to win this game, you take that bet. I'm, I guarantee you anybody takes that bet. No way does no one take that bet. And then the, the L.A. Wildcats still come in here 39-9 and beat up uh, on the D.C. defenders at home. What a game. You're right. Winston Moss, <laughs> knowing Winston Moss the way I know him, that that energy – the team feeds off Winston Moss, and I guarantee you Winston Moss tries to stay stoic as well as possible, especially when you get Gatorade or water dumped on you. But that team is probably the last thing you want to have, have that much swag, that much energy, because their coach feeds off that as well. They're they're all feeding off each other. Off each other. Uh, the Wildcats look great uh, to beat a team that everybody thought was going to come in and win in L.A. and make L.A. go 0-3. Uh, Three-fourths of the show said that very thing. Uh, they did it. L.A. stood their ground uh, and then some looked great on every side. Can we pick a bad thing, Alan? Like, literally, can we pick one bad thing that the Wildcats did this week? Um. Uh, well, Martez Carter didn't get full rotation on that flip into the end zone. So maybe that's the one negative for the Wildcats. <laughs> if that's a negative, I'll take that every single week. Seeing uh, Storm Norton, by the way, still do those pulling, you know, uh, screenplays or reverse passes or – uh, anything like that is just great to watch that man play football. It's it's a lot of fun to see him. When you see him bearing down the, the, down the field, trying to find somebody to block, oh, such a beautiful thing. It's like watching The Blind Side or something, uh, that movie. I will be when. coaching like a crazy man. I like watching Coach Moss coach. I just like, well, he's, <laughs> I just like seeing him sc- calling his defense out, talking to his players, and then just standing there. Gatorade showering him, and he's just staring off into the distance. No, no expression on his face. And the, the coach, the they coach, they're going to get it out of him, though. That you could see it, and yeah. everybody's like, "I know I'm going to get it out of you, coach. I know I'm going to get it out of you." Oh, and they so, got it out of him, though. The emotion was, is what there. a That's moment. A thing. It's just, <laughs> uh, this team's a lot of fun to be around. I've been around them. I have had the fortune to be around them a lot. And Alan, you were there during training camp, and you saw the energy coming from that team and, and the field and what they were able to do and not. And it's just a lot of fun. We saw them at a team dinner as well. And, and, and that team, this is the team that I think we were expected to see. Did I expect them to win this game or win any game by 30 points the way they did? Obviously not. You know, you, you talk about parity in the XFL, and that's meant for these types of things not to happen. But to see it happen and to see the energy coming from that team, uh, it's great, and I hope to see more of this just because it's great television. It's great. You know, I'm a Wildcats fan. I'll say it all openly on this show. I try to be as unbiased as possible. I try to be like you, Alan. But to see that energy, it's great for the XFL. Look how easy that TV broadcast was because of the energy that that team was bringing uh, throughout that game. It makes it for a lot of fun. It makes it great for the announcers, for us fans. Uh, it's a good time. So if the Wildcats can keep rolling the way they did, I think that's good for the XFL. Maybe bad for the DC defenders because I don't know what happened there. Well, yeah, the, the DC defenders. Uh, we'll get into them in just one sec. I have real one quick question about Coach Moss: Is this total vindication beating the DC defenders for trading Rocket Ross and the landlord Anthony Johnson? Is that is that do we see those moves as all right, Coach? You made the right call. <laughs> is the, or, or do we is the book still open on those trades? I don't think the book's open. It's closed because they don't play again this season. 
Uh, do I think they cared about vindication? I think there was a lot coming from the DC defender side. You know, Rashad Ross wanting to be out of LA or the LA Wildcats trading him. He, t- he tweeted before the game, you know, this one uh, is very personal. I'm not getting into the reasons why and what they did to me, but this one is, is personal. And the Wildcats just kind of, you know, stopped the noise. And I think it's complete vindication for that. I think the book is closed because they don't play again this season. Uh, maybe they will. Who knows, actually? But uh, the 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 Wildcats look great and and they made the if you follow their their social media uh they think they got the upper hand and total vindication on this <laughs> yeah they had a lot of fun with that victory too and when there's that much trash talk going into it uh, from the other side that's you know when you win and beat them that's when you go at them on I guess but uh what about DC how much <laughs> does a loss actually hurt the defenders at a division game Cardell Jones you heard him on the sideline saying it's just one forget this one this one's already over with whatever uh does that one hurt dc did it expose cardale at all i i'm willing to give them because because of pep hamilton the benefit of the doubt that that was just a one-off maybe the quarterback had had an off day and collectively the team was asleep at the wheel for one week i don't think that's going to happen a whole lot for a pep hamilton coach team what about you well, I think it's it's you never and there's never such thing as a great loss or a good loss for a team, but this kind of brings them back to reality in the sense that you got to work and you got to strive towards every single victory in this league, especially in the ten week season. You know, DC was flying high; they were two and zero, had a great uh, game in week two. Week one was you know an okay performance; they they battled and came out with the victory. But I think this tells them that you know we got to work on things we can't let things like this happen again did they get exposed did, did anything the pep hamilton not be, was was pep hamilton not ready was the la what were the la wildcats just that much better you know those questions will be answered as the season goes on but i think as in terms of what you can do if you're a dc defender or a coach on the dc defenders is just you know st- take a step back see what happened what went wrong and get ready to play the games that you were playing the first two weeks of the season because that's what you want to strive towards, and you want to make sure your players know that going forward, this could happen any single week. You know, we could we could think that we're going to win. People can think that we're going to win, but you never know what's actually going to happen, especially in such a such a such a league and a season that's still in its infancy. If any game has shown us so far, anything can happen in the XFL and LA beating DC 39 to nine, I think definitely is an example of that DC. Like we said at Tampa Bay, 7 PM Eastern on Sunday on ESPN two LA first game of the week at New York, uh, 2 PM Eastern on ABC. I think I'm going to be, I got a lot, you know, I'm in Pittsburgh, Bryant, but got some, I got some rabid wildcats fans, family, you know, young cousins who, have been chomping at the bit to go roar and cheer on L.A. So I think we're going to make the road trip to go watch that game at MetLife. Making towns, Alan, and, and, and watching some football games. I hope you get some access into, into the Wildcats. Taking your family there is going to be a lot of fun. Next week's slate of games are going to be a lot of fun to watch. Uh, hopefully you get to watch some of them uh, after you go to the game, Alan, because I know you're making towns, like I said, to get to those games. But watching on TV is a lot of fun, too. So I'm going to be sitting in front of my television watching all the, all the action next week. Uh, because, you know, the XFL gives you access that you don't really ever get watching professional football. So that's a lot of fun. 
Oh yeah, that you have. If you go to a game, definitely rewatch the game because that's what I've done to every game that's I've, what I've gone done, to. Yes, because <laughs> at least for for anything for, I mean. For Coach Jude Jones, come on. I'm wondering what the hell you're doing in this league. Or, or, or Martez Carter. Six to the boy. Six to the boy. Or those Battlehawks fans. <laughs> get it. That's you what really, it's all about. You really get two experiences if you go to a game and you watch the game. It's like it's like two different games, really, because of the access that you're getting at home and the vibe and the feeling you're getting at the stadium. And we try to provide that as much as we can while we're there. Alan, you're going to be providing some insight uh, while you're in New York. So make sure you follow us on all social media platforms at XFL Show. Uh, and if you're listening to us now, subscribe and listen to us every single Tuesday morning and Thursday night on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or your preferred podcast app. Uh, also catch us on xfl.com or on youtube.com slash xfl the official youtube page of the xfl yeah buddy week three in the books put a bow on it and let's go six to the board into week number four what can i do this out real quick 116 to the board right 116 yeah because they were episode 116 Oh, yeah, that's the episode number. Yeah, I forgot. Man, they're just all blended in. It's like one long episode of XFL Talk. We'll have 117 late, late Thursday night. We'll hopefully have some good crisp interviews for you. We'll hopefully have some accurate predictions. By the way, who went oh, who went 4-0 picking this, these games? Was it you? I didn't. It was this guy right here. Leading the season, by the way. Now, wow. Isby. Well, congratulations to you. It's only week three. Anything can happen in the XFL. I'll get you. I'm going to catch up to you. Thanks to Jonathan Coachman, the coach, host of XFL pregame, for joining us again for another recap of the weekend and look ahead. Look forward to these conversations with the coach throughout the season. We look forward to more of your tweets at XFL show and, of course, calling into the XFL fan line. Get in. We'll play some voicemails on the Thursday night show, 724-565-4XFL. That line's open. Leave your name, where you're from, and your comment, and we'll put it right here on the podcast. You can, of course, find this show wherever you get a podcast, anywhere, Apple, Google, Spotify, and, of course, XFL.com. Thank you so much. Gosh, diddly darn much for listening to the show, and and, and a caca to all of you. I like a polite Thank you, St. Louis. I like a polite caca. That's my favorite kind of caca. <laughs> a caca to you, St. Louis. Thank you. Yes, thank you so much. And uh, that's it. Oh, and oh yeah, the St. Louis podcast. We got a special feature mini-sode on St. Louis football that you also have to check out. You'll see that coming up shortly after this episode drops. So check that out as well, Brian. That has some good stuff. Well, I'll check it out, but I was on it too. So, But you fans out there, check it out. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, we basically chronicled our entire weekend in St. Louis, so it was a good time. Yes, it was, and we look forward to more good times with all you XFL fans all across the country. And uh, we appreciate you again for listening to the show. For Bryant, I'm Alan. We will see you late Thursday night for another edition of this is the XFL Show. Remember, they're listening.